District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to CFACT.org. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Welcome to District of Conservation. I'm your host, Gabriella Hoffman. This podcast offers a sober examination into all things hunting, fishing, shooting sports, energy, environment, and the public policy surrounding it. And this podcast also specializes in original interviews that you won't hear elsewhere. Here's what I have for you today. I have another interview for you all. We are going to be speaking with Kurt McAllister, who is the Midwest Public Relations Manager at Toyota Motor North America. If you attend any outdoor media conference, whether you're in Poma or not, Kurt is a common fixture at our event and at most events across the country. They do a scholarship for aspiring kind of new outdoor communicators and you can't go to a conference and not meet him there. So we're going to talk to Kurt about what Toyota's up to in terms of conservation efforts, what led him to get involved in the industry. If, interestingly enough, if other companies, let's say Toyota's competitors, are too bullish and going full electrification for their vehicle fleet and much more. So I think you're going to enjoy our conversation today with Kurt McAllister. Let me know what you think. We are joined by Kurt McAllister from Toyota Corporation to talk about his involvement with the company, their conservation efforts, and perhaps the future of electrification of vehicles in the United States and many other interesting topics. So Kurt, so good to catch up with you and have you on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Gabriella. It's fun to be here. How did you get involved in the outdoor industry and take a particular interest in outdoor media and and be involved in conservation before I have you talk about your involvement with Toyota? Sure. Um, so uh, I, I grew up hunting and fishing. Um, that was part of my uh, my hobbies. I, I, I kind of uh, inherited that from both my, my grandparents and my uh, and my father. So I've always had a love for um, for those kind of adventures. Uh, what happened on, for me on the Toyota side about a dozen years ago, um, we were working with a gentleman by the name of Mike Walker out of Phoenix. And Mike was actually uh, handled uh, our representation in the Southwest for Toyota, but he was also kind of the PR guru of the outdoor world. Um, he handled a lot of clients outside of our car company uh, in the outdoor space. And he goes, you know, Kurt, because of your love for the outdoors, I'm going to take you around to some of these outdoor writer groups. And introduce you around. So he took me to my first Aglow, uh, Great Lakes Outdoor Writers, uh, as well as the Outdoor Writers Association of America conferences. And I, and I fell in love with the premise. I fell in love with the groups. Um, we eventually parted ways with with Mr. Walker, but so I had kind of inherited um, some of these large groups, uh, kind of by de facto. And in doing so, not only did I learn that uh, I had an appreciation for the national outdoor writer groups, but also the regional and the state-based organizations. So here, fast forward 12 years, and now I interact with 14 different outdoor writer guilds throughout the country, collectively about 2,000 outdoor journalists. So, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a small niche of the media that I deal with. I typically deal with automotive and business media. But these people are just as fervent and and just as loyal to the outdoors. So I, I really enjoy working with them. Yeah, we'll talk about more about how what you do for us at Poma, much like what you do with the other organizations. But could you elaborate more on your role specifically with Toyota Corporation and what you handle, um, even beyond, let's say, these uh, immersion with the uh, outdoor media? Sure. So I handle. Uh, I am the Midwest Public Relations Manager. So I handle 
um, media relations and public relations endeavors in the Great Lakes and the Heartland states. So my territory is 14 states. So I go as far west as Dakotas and far south as Tennessee. Uh, I handle actually both brands. So I handle both Toyota and Lexus. So I have, a, have to have a working knowledge of, of both lineups. So um, handle you know uh, communications around, uh, around auto show seasons in the respective states. Uh, and of course, we've got sales regions that, uh, that uh, cover these 14 states. So I'm kind of be holding to them, serving as their, their PR department. Uh, and again, as well as, as touching on the outdoor space. So uh, I'm, I'm a pretty busy, a pretty busy person these these days. You absolutely are. And you always make an appearance at POMA conferences. We met, I think, at one of, I think it was my first POMA conference uh, back in 2019 because Toyota sponsors a scholarship. So could you explain what how Toyota specifically gets involved in outdoor rider associations like ours? Sure. So, I mean, Aside from sponsoring the lunch and bringing mm -hmm. the latest, greatest truck or SUV, um, about eight years ago, the Great Lakes Outdoor Writers came to me and they said, Kurt, we have a little bit of a quandary. As you can tell, as you look around the room, the median age is going getting higher and we have to find a way to infuse uh, new young members, new blood into our organization. So we started the Toyota Let's Go Places Scholarship Program. And that essentially what it does, it allows organizations like Aglow and POMA uh, to select a couple of uh, winners or a couple of uh, uh, influencers or journalists or people in forestry or, or environmental biology to come to a conference and the scholarship covers their their hotel, their their um, their travel, any kind of accommodations. And so we get them in front of all these these veteran outdoors writers and enthusiasts and you know bring them into the fold. And uh, so here we are, you know, fast forward eight years forward. And at the POMA conference, the recent POMA conference, I gave out, I think the 95th scholarship in eight years across seven different organizations. And they're really paying dividends. The one thing I didn't expect was, yeah, these these influencers are, 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 are binding mentors, but it's become this beautiful 360 degree relationship because a lot of these young influencers, enthusiasts come in and of course they're very savvy with social media. And so they're showing some of the more veteran print reporters how to amplify their own efforts through social media, through YouTube. So it's 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 really a wonderful relationship, and I think everyone is benefiting. Everyone is benefiting from from it. Absolutely, and I have a few friends that I think that have benefited through the scholarship. I think Lexi was one of the more recent ones, and then I know many many up and comers so far have come through the pipeline as well. And then a few other friends that are also involved in the organization still. Uh, I think one of the recent awardees this year, um, I know him well, and he, he's been an extra on actually Yellowstone, but I'll let him tell that story if he comes on the podcast sometime soon. Uh, but no, the, the scholarship does dividends for helping people, especially in the outdoor media space, because like you said, we have suffered a lot, I think, as an industry uh, from not retaining and keeping younger people. I think I'm I'm definitely kind of a, a reaction to that. I'm I'm a young person. I'm a millennial. I'm I'm in my early 30s, but I was just like naturally looking out for this because I'm a weirdo and I, I look out for opportunities like this. And I, I've always been very plugged into the outdoor industry. But a young person who is interested in the outdoors who doesn't uh have an idea as to how to break out in media or doesn't have familiarity, I think that's where organization or companies like Toyota can come in and say, okay, let's let's help pluck these 
uh, aspiring communicators or established communicators, give them a little hand up and help them reach that next goal or help them get this opportunity or this connection to POMA or a similar outfit like POMA and really help take their career off even more. So I think that's really great. And I think that's where companies like yours can step in and help. And I think people are listening. They're like, Toyota Corporation, what do they have to do with conservation and the outdoors? Mm -hmm. But everyone forgets like a lot of people who drive trucks and trucks are not the only thing that Toyota offers, obviously, Mm. but a lot of people who own Toyota trucks are very outdoorsy. They usually either Mm -hmm. hunt, they fish, uh, they camp, they recreate somehow. And I know some people will say, well, how can a company, how can a truck company be for the environment? They make gas guzzling cars. But you were talking to me and, and you wanted to come on the podcast and I was absolutely very much interested. And we had talked about this even before, I think when we first connected years ago, uh, but you guys have conservation, obviously platitudes and initiative. You were explaining to me recently how the company has kind of stepped up with these initiatives and you were talking about pollinators. So I want to give you the floor to explain how can a car corporation advance conservation policies, even though the perception against car companies is always negative in terms of the products that you guys make? Sure. So, you know, our North Star at Toyota is a respect for people and kind of an offshoot of that is a respect for nature. If you look back um, 22 years ago, that's when the first generation Prius entered the market. So that was, that's kind of the the, the grandfather of this whole, this whole electrification movement we're, we're experiencing right now. So, you know, in those 22 years, we globally have sold close to 15 million hybrids. And so, you know, we've really reduced the carbon footprint in terms of um, at least in terms of those vehicles. And, you know, it's it it, it kind of bleeds to not only um, you know what we're doing with our own electrification efforts, but we said we've got to talk about environmental sustainability too. And so we actually have a department that that's all they do. They really don't even touch on the product. All they do is they they go around the country and they and they try to find ways to. Um, help the environment or help those people who are associated with the environment. So, you know, one of the ones that uh, that happened that was announced back in February is that we announced a, a joint program with the Rosebud Sioux Tribe, as well as the World Wildlife Fund to bring bison back to their natural habitat in South Dakota. So over the next few years, the project is going to establish a herd of about 1,200 bison, over about 27,000 acres of grasslands. And so when it capacity, it's going to be North America's largest herd that's managed by Native Americans. So you're like, oh, that, that's great. But what is that doing? Well, it's, you know, again, the bison are actually going to help replenish the, the grasslands. And again, the, the Native Americans, who, of course, hundreds of years ago used bison to sustain their tribes, are now doing that today through farming and, um, uh, and of course, through meat sources. So Again, we're not only helping Native Americans, but we're also helping bring back, you know, uh, an animal that's been long, long gone from from the, from the Southwest, as well as um, the Upper Northwest. Uh, you know, on top of that, we're also, um, you mentioned pollinators. Uh, we just recently announced a, a considerable donation to the National Environmental Education Foundation and the Pollinator Partnership to enhance about 26,000 acres of pollinator habitat across the North America over the next five years. And, and these habitats will be found in 13 states, as well as parts of Mexico and British Columbia. And again, we define pollinators as butterflies, bees, bats, 
And of course, they all play a vital role in the reproduction of about 90% of all the flowering plants around the globe. So as we know, if these little critters go away, we are all collectively in trouble. So again, we are out there um, working with these organizations to preserve these habitats. So again, they can do what uh, nature intended them to do. Those sound really good. And I will include links to those in the show notes for everyone to check out as well. But is is the buffalo hood, before we move on, I want to ask you about electrification uh, since you brought that up. But the buffalo herd, I've seen South Dakota's buffalo herd in Custer. I forget the numbers there, but that's interesting that they're going to have a, a pretty, the, the goal is to have a pretty sustainable herd managed by the tribes. But I have seen the the South Dakota herd um, in Custer State Park. So that'll, that'll be nice to see more uh, in, in South Dakota as well. Absolutely. Electrification, you were mentioning a lot of companies, I think more so the Fords, the GMs and others like them are really going all in with electric vehicles, a hundred percent push, but Toyota isn't really taking that approach. You had alluded to hybrid approach. Are you think, do you think, or maybe not you, but does the company think rather that going very bullish a hundred percent could have some fallback? and could have some, you know, implications down the road. Is is this Toyota strategy a little different to see how electrification works rather than going 100%, maybe just going 50% in? Yeah, so our efforts are more of a long-range um, uh, goal and, and expectation for electrification. So as I mentioned earlier, so if you go back to the, the late 90s when we introduced Prius, um, lo and behold, you know, you move forward. And again, it was... It, I always kid people that our, a lot of our counter, a lot of our competitors back then actually kind of scoffed at it and said it was a science project. It was a publicity stunt. Back then, gas was maybe a dollar a quarter a gallon. So people's like that, you know, that that's great, but it doesn't have any any role in today's society. Well, here we are, fast forward, um, and we've really kind of set the hybrid movement on its ear. Literally, literally every automaker out there has some sort of hybridized vehicles in their in their lineup. So yeah, we understand that the EV world is coming. But we think that hybridized vehicles um, will serve a, a great segue or a stopgap going from what we consider really um, fuel-efficient gas engines up until to pure EVs. Now, we do have a couple of pure EVs coming to market this year. We have a, on, the, on the Toyota side, we have the BZ4X, which is a, a pure EV um, SUV that's going to get about 250 miles of range. And then on the Lexus side, we have a, a vehicle called the RZ, that's coming in the fourth quarter that has similar range. But what we're doing is we're very close right now to having a hybridized variant of everything in our Toyota and Lexus lineups. Um, we just, of course, announced our, just uh, the Tundra just hit the market a couple of months ago. Um, and in concert with that, we actually have a hybridized Tundra for the first time ever. And so this vehicle is gonna be capable of, of not only getting about 22 miles per gallon as a full-size pickup, but because you do have a hybrid powertrain, you actually have another uh, engine to, uh, or, uh, motor to pull power from. So all of a sudden, this hybridized truck can get about 437 horsepower and tow about 12,000 12, 12, pounds. So, you know, for people thinking that, you know, hybrids are just these little, um, yeah, these, these, these small engines that they can only get you so much horsepower, so much performance. Hybrids have certainly grown up in about 25 years time to the where they're part of our performance package. And so our, our new Sequoia is purely hybrid and that gets over 400 horsepower. So again, it's um, 
you know, we think it's 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 a good compromise as we all move towards that all-inclusive EV world. Do you think though there will still be an let's say a demand for gas-powered cars? Because even though, and I won't wait have you wait into the politics of this. I'm not mm. not talking about politics here, but I still see um, even with gas prices going up, people see sometimes that it may, it may not be affordable and practical to shift entirely to EV. So they'll still stick with a gas powered car. So does Toyota recognize that there will still be somewhat of a demand, even though there is kind of a push for EV. So that's why you guys have this hybridization approach more yes. so. Yeah. Um, uh, about a year and a half ago, the Society of Automotive Engineers forecast, and they predicted by the end of this decade, um, by 2030, that only about three or 4% of Americans will own EVs. So I know there's some certain entities out there that like would like to hasten this, <laughs> would like to push that up a little quicker. Um, but again, you know, based on uh, on, on the, the cost of, of what we're seeing with some of these new EVs and the fact that the average vehicle on the road right now is 12 years old. So people are holding on their vehicles, one, because the vehicles are, are solid and two, because they have to. Um, they can't afford a new vehicle right now. So uh, we believe that the, that gas will still be necessary. And again, that's why we believe that hybrids, which of course utilize both the battery and and and, and gas tanks uh, are, are the perfect solution as, as we move again towards that eventual EV world, but it's, it's not gonna happen tomorrow. Um, and uh, it may not happen as fast as some people want it to. I think that's a practical statement, practical assessment of it. And I'm glad that representatives like you from car companies can offer a little bit of reality, uh, I think, to, to placate any concerns and, and, and any kind of worries. Because I think, yeah, you want to offer consumers options. And I think, like I said, I think people will still want to have the gas-powered car. If you want to eventually have an EV and go full throttle with it, I think it's perfectly fine. But I think offering choices and, and seeing before, you know, becoming too ambitious, I think, is a practical move. But I want you to actually expound a little bit more on some of the models. You alluded to a few, but if someone is in the market for a truck, let's say for an outdoor adventure, fishing, camping, hunting, or they just want to travel across the country, trucks are very reliable. My dad doesn't have a Toyota. I think he has a, it looks like a Cadillac Escalade, but it's a GM model. I can't recall the, the exact model that he has, but it's a very comfy car. I'm used to sitting in trucks for road trips and for fishing excursions. I think people often downplay how useful trucks are, um, especially for unforeseen weather events. You're driving in a truck and you're safer than, let's say, a smaller sedan. Mm -hmm. So someone wants a comfortable truck from Toyota. What models do you recommend to them? Well, as I mentioned, the the, the all-new Tundra just hit the market a couple months ago. So, you know, it's it's, again... It is, it's, it's, we've dropped the big V8 in the Tundra for the first time ever. So now we have a V6 twin turbo, uh, which gets about 389 horsepower. And, and again, the, the towing, the towing capability is there, the comfort there as well. Uh, you know, like most vehicles, people want tech. So we've got a multimedia system now that, um, that's unrivaled in terms of, of everything you do to either tap in or stay connected during those long. So uh, we made sure to uh, to accommodate people who are are, are uh, a little more tech savvy. Uh, you know, our styling has gotten a lot more aggressive on the truck side because people, you know, believe it or not, they still want their trucks to look masculine. 
And of course, we always find ways to offer um, just cutting edge safety technology in the, in the case that something happens, something goes awry. So, you know, that that's across our entire lineup. But, you know, Tundra Tundra has done really well out of the gate, uh, despite low inventory people people want the, the truck and they're willing to wait a little bit longer for it, as well as the Sequoia I, that I, I mentioned a little bit earlier. Our Tacoma is still, for 20 years in a row, is still the best-selling mid-sized truck in the United States. And, and people love that vehicle because it's it's off-road capable. Most of them get off-road packages. I'd say about half of all new Tacoma sold get off-road packages. So people like taking them off, uh, off pavement. They like to go down deer trails. They like to go duning with it. Um, and so that's always been a very popular vehicle uh, um, particularly amongst um, people, you know, younger than the age of say 45. So, uh, Tacoma, Tacoma will always be one of our more popular uh, vehicles. And actually, we announced last week, um, Gabriella, we are adding a new vehicle to our lineup. Um, it's called the Toyota Crown. Now, that's a, it's a passenger car, but it stands about four inches taller than Camry, so it's kind of got almost crossover like characteristics. So it's almost a little bit. If a, if, a, if a passenger car and a, and a, and a small ute had a baby. <laughs> and the thing about this vehicle, the Crown has been around since the 50s. Uh, it was in the United States for a very short period of time, um, up until the early 70s, and left the market for 50 years. And now we're bringing it back. This is its, its 15th generation. And it's become a, it's, it's, it's almost like the flagship vehicle um, passenger car for Toyota. So we're bringing it back in the market because we think that there is a, a and appetite towards these type of vehicles. The one thing that we've we've seen that's remarkable is that whenever gas gets above $4 a gallon, two things happen. Uh, one, people look for hybrids. Two, they, they start to take a, another look at passenger cars. Right now, 70% of all vehicles sold in the United States are trucks or SUVs because people like, frankly, they like big vehicles, they like to haul stuff. But now they're starting to look at their wallets a little bit. It's like, you know, maybe I will revisit passenger cars. And we are very fortunate that we didn't bail out of the passenger car market. In fact, we have a very robust lineup. And so our, our passenger cars are starting to see an uptick in sales um, uh, for a couple of different reasons. Again, gas prices being one and 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 they're they're terrific, they're terrific modes of transportation. Excellent. Those are some good offerings that that uh Crossover you mentioned actually piqued my interest. So I'm going to look into that, not to buy, because I, I like my Subaru Forester, but I'm just curious mm. to see that just from a technical standpoint, because I like innovation too. So that that's really, really fascinating. Let's see about ending on, let's talk about more about the value of Poma and, and overall about what you enjoy working about outdoor media associations. And does Toyota Corporation like having influencer relationships with the people that you come across and others like you who cover the rest of the country come across in the outdoor space? Um, what what utility do you guys see with that? Like, do you see more of it sometimes even with the endemic like automaker influencers? Do you get more kind of value with working with outdoor influencers or newsmakers? You know, it's 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 a it's a it's a subset to a bigger audience. To be honest with you, Gabriella, I mean, Toyota is huge in, in the outdoor space in terms of, you know, we're huge sponsors of Bassmaster Series and Major League Fishing. You know, we've got we've got uh, we sponsor eight professional fishermen. Of course, Kevin Van Dam, who is essentially the, the Michael Jordan of the sport, you know, has has been one of our ambassadors for for years, um, but. Yeah, we we like, I mean, and really the outdoor enthusiasts, people who love outdoors also kind of gravitate towards sports like NASCAR. 
And again, we are we just celebrated our 20th year in NASCAR, and our teams do very well there. So, you know, we are we've been playing in the outdoor space for quite a while. So it makes sense for us to stay actively um, engaged with people who cover the outdoor space. So that that's one of the reasons that I really enjoy working with all these groups, such as Poma. Uh, because it keeps it allows us to keep in front of them, talk about where we're going in terms of our methodology for the outdoors, and of course what we're doing to provide some of the best um, vehicles uh, for those off those off road and those outdoor enthusiasts. So for me, it's it's a win win, and uh, it's a it's a it's a space well worth playing in, and when we enjoy being here. That's very good, and I know I speak on behalf of Poma to say that we're really grateful to have folks like you. We, I know we rave and rant about you, Kurt, and Toyota's sponsorship year in and year out. And we're really grateful uh, to have you guys involved. So if people want to learn more about Toyota Corporation, your conservation uh, platform, cars on hand, new models on the market, everything that you've mentioned, where can they best go to to learn more? You know, the, the best site is called toyotanewsroom.com. And it's, it's our media site, but it's actually a public domain because we don't believe that a site should just be for the, the press, but for the public at large. So if you go there, you find out about our latest vehicles, you find out about our environmental endeavors, you find out about what we're doing philanthropically around the country, you find out about what we do against some of our manufacturing facilities and the community at large. So toyotanewsroom.com is, is a great way to, to keep up on everything Toyota. And probably the social media links, I can link to those to connect with Toyota's marketing efforts. I think people always love to follow social media accounts. So I'll add those as well. In addition to the website, Kurt has been such a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for sharing what Toyota is up to and kind of what you guys are working on and, and being innovative, but also practical in this kind of interesting age we are with respect to vehicles and energy. So I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing what you've been up to. It's been my pleasure, Gabriella. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to District of Conservation. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you haven't already, make sure you find us on your preferred podcast player. We largely circulate on Apple, Spotify, and countless others, but those are our two big podcast platforms we want to push. Make sure you're subscribed there, especially on Apple. If you like the podcast a lot, go leave us some reviews. We'd be more than grateful to get some five-star reviews from you guys. Moreover, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and a little bit on YouTube. We don't populate there, but connect with us on social media. Find me personally on social media with blue check marks. Super easy to find, and I would love to hear your feedback and know who you'd like to see on the podcast. Thanks for listening to District of Conservation. Stay tuned for the next episode.